Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Your thoughts, if you're a gun owner, on what's being said by politicians and what's you, how you interpret it. Do you have a sense that the governments really are not going to be happy until you are robbed of your right to own a firearm? And it is your right to own a firearm because your right is enshrined in legislation. In London, Ontario, listening to AM 980 CFPL is Ted. All right, Ted. Hi, can you hear me all right? Well, I can hear you, Ted, yeah. Good. Uh, I have, was an active hunter for 46 years. I'm, I'm past it now because my knees are gone. And yeah, the hunting I did required you had to walk a lot. And I hunted mostly grouse, rough grouse, the finest game bird in the world. And they're still out there. And we have many opportunities to hunt those birds in Ontario. As far as what I want the government to do is I want them to treat us with respect. The, the disrespect I felt when, when Kretchen came in with C-68, uh, it bothered me. And it made me an activist. And, this, and I would talk to people about it. And most people in Canada don't know which end of a gun you put the bullet in. They really don't. And uh, uh, well, no, I, because, I because, 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 Ted, because you don't put the bullet in at any end. You put it in in the middle. Put it in the, in the see, the, uh, whatever. I'm just trying to be funny. I know. I, I know. Here, I hear what you're saying. C68, and I, you, the line isn't the best. I'm sorry to say, C68 was, of course, the. Huge issue that caused so much dissension in this country, the long gun registry. And I remember Alan Rock being on this program, who was then the Justice Minister of Canada, swearing up and down that it would never cost more than $2 million to administer and put in place and keep in place. And then we found out shortly there, well, shortly after it was in, a couple of years later we found out that the Department of, uh, of, of uh, Justice, the Justice Department, spent over a billion dollars on the registry, a billion as in Bob. Ron in Winnipeg, Manitoba, thank you for the call. Ron, please go ahead. Hey, I'll just make a couple of comments and uh, let you guys discuss it. Uh, first off, in regards to the government, you know, I do believe that they're going to be sneaky about a few things. And, uh, you know, they have been reclassifying a lot of things. And I re- may remind some gun owners that, uh, you know, once you had prohibited firearms like I did and sold the two and going to buy another one, not knowing that when I sold my two, I forfeited the right to ever own a prohibited firearm again without notice. So that happened to a lot of people. So now, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah, like I had, you know, I was probably in law enforcement. I had a service revolver at a certain barrel length and, and uh, enjoyed the same thing at, uh, uh, to shoot at the range. And uh, once I got rid of that and, and a rifle, I went in to buy something else and said, sorry, you no longer have that license. It's just for restricted. You forfeited your right when you sold your firearm. Wow. wow. What do you want look uh, at? So you were in law enforcement. What is the attitude generally if, uh, if, if a crown attorney gets involved and uh, if there's a situation with a firearm, is the onus always going to be negative, an onus on the gun owner to prove that he or she uh, did things responsibly, or is there some sense of we're dealing with a good person here, so we'll start with the premise that they did things responsibly? Well, you know, I think that that's a tough question. It's it's a case-by-case basis. I think, uh, in general, the onus is on the firearms owner to prove that they had uh, 
safe storage, safe conduct, safe operation, you know, the whole schmo. Uh, because, you know, when things go to court, uh, you know, there's both sides, uh, you know, the uh, uh, lawyers for you and lawyers against you. Mm-hmm. So you have to establish your position. And my recommendation would be is to uh, make sure you've done everything uh, as you should be but doing. But what, what I'm getting at, should we not presume, should we not assume that legal gun owners are going to do that anyway because they've jumped through so many bureaucratic hoops just to get the license to purchase a shotgun or a rifle. They've, they've, they've opened up their lives to bureaucrats. They have no idea who uh, these people are. Well, I think, I think they've gone in that, in that length, yes, they've gone above and beyond. They certainly what have. They, what any normal person should be doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Really, in that aspect, a firearms owner is probably the safest person you want to have. Well, exactly, because what, what I'm getting from all this regulation is we don't trust firearms owners, we don't like firearms owners, we don't want them to have firearms, and that's why you had situations develop, and I think that you probably can underscore this, Ron, where people who defended their homes, defended their lives, defended their families with a firearm found themselves facing criminal charges which, mm-hmm. if they were convicted for, would see them spend more time in prison than the actual, let's say, home invader who assaulted them. There was the 68-year-old oh, man in New Brunswick who was attacked by four individuals in his home. I have to say allegedly because I don't know if the case is over yet. But he was – the 68-year-old man was, was hit with a hammer or something similar to that. And he found, was able to get a hold of his rifle and he shot one of the home invaders in the leg. And then he was facing more time in prison – than, than the home invaders. That is now just that, fundamentally wrong. That's, uh, that, I understand that, you know, and unfortunately that's the situation we're in. We're, we're a far away, a far away uh, from the kingdom is the castle law. You know, the, ca- the castle doctrine. And Yes, and it's unfortunate uh, because, you know what, uh, it comes down to uh, defending your family, They're, you know, there should to for a lot of people. There's no question. You got to do what you got to do. You've got to do what you've got to do, Ron. Thank you, in Winnipeg, in Manitoba. It's one thing to be facing a critical mass situation where your life or your family's lives are in danger, and you act to protect your family. And then, in the cold gray dawn of the morning after, along comes a police investigation or an ambitious crown attorney, and they turn you into the criminal. You weren't committing a crime. You were in your home. You were minding your own business. And then your home was invaded or your property was attacked. And this is what happened in, in Alberta, where the young farmer just a couple of weeks ago had the charge against him withdrawn. And the charge was that he had improperly, criminally used a firearm to defend himself, as he said, against uh, a threat. And he shot at someone and hit someone who was in his truck or at his truck. Anyway, he was looking at some time in jail if he was convicted, and then the charge was withdrawn. And I think a lot of people in this country said, yeah, that's the way it should be. A lot of people said that. Others <laughs> others obviously did not. And I have to tell you this, and I'll get some more calls on just very quickly. I spoke to a couple of people over the last few days who I know own guns. And I asked them, do you hunt? And the answer was no, and no, and no. So why do you have a firearm? I want a firearm to protect my family. That was the response I got. Now they passed all the tests. They 
They, they met all the requirements. They jumped through all the bureaucratic hoops. They did what they had to do, and they owned the firearm. And they store. I asked them, do you store it properly? Yeah, we store it properly. The gun is locked. Uh, it's got a trigger guard, and it's in a, it's in a safe. And the ammunition is somewhere else in the house. No, which makes it problematic if you want to find it to get at it to protect. But that's what the law is. And these people are living up to the letter of the law. But their reason for having a firearm is they want to protect their families, and they don't have confidence that the police will be able to get to them as quickly as they need to. So it's a lot to be said, a lot to be said. And it's about time we hear from people who have firearms. John in uh, the Kawarthas in Ontario, he's a, a veteran and a gun owner. John, thank you for your service to Canada. <laughs> well, I just kind of shake my head to Canada because I really don't think Canada cares about itself anymore. Um, I've, I've been involved in training people for, for deployment. I've done a whole whack of things. I've jumped through a whole lot of hoops. And basically, as far as the government's concerned, I'm a piece of garbage. And that is the way it is in Canada now. Um, I, I have no doubt that the liberals will try for some sort of ban. It's, at one time, I was trained at a higher standard than any typical police officer. And now I'm a piece of garbage. And that's the way it is. Why, why, would you, why, do, why do you say that they look at you as a piece of garbage? Because I'm a firearms owner and a veteran. Okay, so all right, so so you don't meet you don't meet the preferred parameters of exactly. this liberal government, as you say, because when Mr. Trudeau was asked, "Why are you fighting veterans in court?" Because they want too much, or they they want more than we can give right now. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you right now, any, your typical firearms owner um, is is basically a really down to earth guy who just like Mr. Bernardo said, I know Tony, I met him a couple times. We just want to be left alone. We don't want to hurt anybody. We haven't hurt anybody. And people got to really start speaking up. they got to stop being, I don't know where it's come that being Canadian is just kind of lay down and take it, you know? Uh, people got to be chastised. Even, even, these, even these so-called journalists who, uh, who write that piece of crap, that piece of filth that was in iPolitics, how all these gun owners are... are bringing up crime guns. I'm just disgusted with the whole mess, Mr. Green. It, it just sucks. Yeah, please please call me Roy. And I tell you, that 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 when I first read that, that really upset me. That, and I'm using, I'm using a word that I can easily use without getting into trouble. It really upset me. That, uh, that was just such, such a hit piece. Yeah, and there's no, there's no, there's nothing to follow up. Like, there's no response to it. Yeah, we'll read Matt Gurney's piece. I Matt Gurney, uh, he's you and Matt Gurney are are two people who I have somewhat faith left in any type of Canadian journalism at all. Well, thank you, appreciate that. You're welcome, Mr. Gurney. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Matt does as well. Can you? Where were you deployed, John? Uh, Bosnia. I was all over the country. Well, we. Uh, I used to be involved in, in in the information business. If you can read between the lines. I got you. And. I don't like where this country is going. <laughs> well, that's an issue for another day. By the way, when we get around to Beauties and the Beast with Catherine Swift and Linda Leatherdale and Michelle Simpson in the next hour, one of the questions that I'm going to be asking, uh, asking Catherine, Linda, and Michelle to address is whether it is fair to say that, uh, is it fair or is it excessive to argue that under Justin Trudeau, Canada is a wobbling mess? It's a disaster. <laughs> Thanks for the call, John. Thank you for your service, sir. 
You too. All the best. Roy Green Show, Chorus Radio Network. More of your calls coming up at 800-263-2428. Gun owners, what do you want? And do you, is it your sense that no matter what you do, no matter how careful you are, no matter how religiously you pay attention to the rules and the regulations, that you will be on the receiving end of unfair criticism and really sort of character assassination? You own a gun, therefore you must be a bad person. I mean, it's so, dis- it's so disturbing to have again and again and again come across cases and talk to people on this radio program who found themselves charged criminally for protecting their property or protecting themselves and or protecting themselves. Brian and Lindsay, Ontario, how are you, Brian? Not too bad. Go ahead, You sir. know, Roy, years ago or decades ago when they first came out these the idea that you needed to have a license to own a firearm, I ran right out, jumped through all the hoops, took the courses, everything else, Got it. I saw the writing on the wall. These government and governments around the world basically would like to disarm you. And that's the way it is. And here in Canada, they have this ridiculous policy of every confiscated gun gets destroyed. Even military rifles they no longer use. Perfectly good shape. You can put them in a warehouse somewhere in case we need them in a war for the future. Or they could sell them to other poor countries or give them to four countries for their military, their police, whatever, but they don't do that. And today they get up, instead of dealing with the problem, which here in Toronto is basically just gun-wielding, drug-dealing, gang-banging, street gang, due to political correctness, they just refuse to go after that. Yet they'll turn around and go after the low-hanging fruit, law-abiding gun owners. And the whole basic thing is, if you can't do your job, we're accepting resignations. If you don't know what to do about it, get somebody in there who does know what to do about it and can handle it, such as mandatory sentences. If you're a gangbanger and you know you get pulled over, you can get in a car accident, they find an illegal weapon under your seat or something, you're going straight to jail and you're going to stay there until you get a trial. And that's it. And it's going to be a mandatory, at least five-year sentence, that sort of thing. And if you're not a Canadian citizen, you'll be deported upon releasing from jail. That would do a lot more to stop the problem than all this, oh, well, we're going to try to ban this and ban that. You want to ban something? Ban political correctness, because that's what stops us from talking about the real problem. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I'm just fed up with the whole nonsense. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be always the same, except, of course, when Harper was in, he come out with mandatory sentences, but the politically correct judges don't want to give them these sentences, and they're off laughing. Yeah. Criminals are laughing on their way out of Yeah, I, I'm going to say to you that I absolutely concur with what you're saying as far as any political statement that is made these days, almost any, almost any political statement that is made has some political consideration to it, like what's it going to cost me or what's it going to do for me or how can I phrase this so I lose the least possible success or support and how can I phrase it so it'll generate the most possible support for me. Thank you for the call, Brian. Rick's been holding on in Vancouver for quite a while. Rick, we have one minute, sir. It's all yours. Uh, Thanks, Roy. Um, I've shot competitions, Alberta, B.C., Washington State, 
Oregon, California, and I totally enjoyed it for 50 years, or not not 50 years, 40 years. And since 9-11, it was just too much of a hassle trying to cross the border with a with any kind of gun. So that is the end of it. And um, uh, the thing that bothers me the most are the polls that are done. Last year, uh, the coal politics 20th anniversary, there was all the uh, foo about uh, celebrating the event. And uh, a week before... Uh, the event, uh, there was a big poll done back east, and and it was it was 85% in favor of getting rid of guns, and it was because of the advertising and all the other yeah, that's all, negative. Yeah, stuff. Rick, there's always, and I thank you for the call, sir. I said one minute, and that was our time. That is another issue that we're going to talk about uh, in on an upcoming show. I have to do this quickly. Uh, I, I want to take some of the major events that have happened in Canada that relate to guns and the gun question, and we'll put them all out on the table and we'll talk about them as one particular gun issue. Don't go away.